Good morning, church. Good morning, and welcome to the culmination and the celebration of our 40-day challenge series. It's been such a great series. We've been talking about living like Jesus. You know, for 40 days, we want to live like Christ and the difference that Christ makes in our hearts and our lives. Now, we started this series, and we said so often we compartmentalize our faith, don't we? We, we got a little bit of God on Sunday, and we got a lot of work during the week. We got some family time in the nights, and we got me time on Saturdays, and kind of our whole life is like compartmentalized. It's like spokes on a wheel. Right? We got God, we got career, we got family, it kind of goes around like that. And God's going, I don't want to be a spoke on the wheel, right? I want to be at the center of the wheel. Because when I'm at the center of the wheel, then I impact your marriage or your future marriage. I impact your work or your career. I impact you as a parent with your children. I impact your dreams. And God's going, I gave you the dreams anyway, right? You know, everything comes from me. And so when we live with Christ at the center of our lives, it impacts everything in us. And so for 40 days, we've been trying to do that. I want Christ to be first. I want God to be at the heart of my life and to live for Him and for His glory. It's been an incredible series. We started off looking at Jesus' own 40-day challenge. You know, when Jesus was baptized at the age of 30, and maybe God's been calling some of you to be baptized, taking that step of obedience to follow Him. And Jesus was 30 when He was baptized. And it began his earthly ministry. And then it says in chapter 4 of the book of Matthew that he was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And we said temptation's not a sin. All of us are tempted, right? Temptation's not a sin. Temptation's an opportunity for us to choose to follow God, for us to choose to grow in our faith. That's how we grow spiritual muscles is in the midst of temptation, that we choose what's right. So we looked at that. Then we talked about faithfulness. And it says from that time on, that Jesus, right, from that time on, and for us to put a stake in the ground, the 40-day challenge isn't like, okay. Stake in the ground. Christ, it takes 40 days to start a habit. And so our habit of reading the word, of praying, of establishing those in our lives. And then we talked about living like Jesus in our family. And so often the hardest place is at home sometimes to live like Jesus, right? like Jesus with our friends, living like Jesus with our friends. It's important the people you surround yourself with. Are the people around you helping you grow more like Christ, right? Or are they leading you down a different path? We hear this often. I had these friends, you know, and they either took me down one path or, man, they led me to the Lord and they nurtured me and they challenged me to grow deeper in my faith. So be in a community group, find a knit table, be a part of something where there's people around you that are helping you grow spiritually. Then we talked about living like Jesus in our finances, and Jesus talked about money more than any other topic. Why? Because he knew that money was the chief competitor for our hearts. And it's so true, isn't it? I mean, we worry probably more about money than about anything else. And yet Jesus wants to be the Lord of our finances. So the first 10%, we give back to him, we trust him. The next 10%, we save, and then we live on 80%. It's radical. It'll change your life financially as we just put these biblical principles into process in our lives. And then last week, Pastor Nick did a great job talking about faith and living with faith. And today we wanna to talk about forever. And what that means is we go forward in Christ, that our forever is impacted, that our forever is transformed because of God's goodness in our lives. Now, I hope in this series that at some point you've made it personal. Something that you're praying about. And you're gonna hear some stories at the end of the service, you're gonna see a video about that. But for you, and this is kind of one of those things, this is just a little added bonus for being here today, but, but I want you to take this 40-day challenge and tuck it away. Because there's gonna come a point in your life, in all of our lives, 
where you're gonna have some big decision to make and maybe it's personal, maybe it's together with a family or I don't know what it is or maybe it's school, it's a relationship, it's adoption or what, but 40 day challenge is a great opportunity for you to just say, hey, together we wanna pray and we wanna fast. And maybe in the future, maybe a year from now, five years, 10 years, but there will come a time when you go, okay, God, I need some wisdom. I need some clarity from you about something. And look at this and say, maybe for 40 days, I just need to really focus on the Lord. And I need to, you know, either fast from food or media or, you know, TV or something, but I really want to press into Christ. And so make this personal because God will challenge you and God will grow you if you will seek Him, right? And you will put Him first. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. In our series, we've been looking at the early part of Jesus' ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, when he was baptized, began his ministry. And then Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. The longest sermon that we have from Jesus. And man, it's just so deep and so rich. It's so good. And so today we're just going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 14, as we unpack the Word of God today. If you're taking notes, number one is this, living with Christ. Look at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus is inviting us into this relationship. Jesus is inviting us to ask God. Jesus is inviting us to seek God. And in this 40-day challenge, what we are talking about is growing in the Word of God because this is how God speaks to us. So many times it's through His Word, right? As we read God's Word, we're like, oh, okay, God speaks to His Word. And through prayer, and through prayer. And we are establishing a daily routine taking a daily step, reading God's word every day. Why? Because God's desire for you is a relationship with him. It's a relationship. You see, here's the fact. Every major world religion is about man trying to get to God, right? I mean, go go study every major world religion. If I can do enough good works, then, you know, I'll be reincarnated a certain way or I'll have some kind of special elevated status. Somehow God will accept me. But Christianity is different. Christianity isn't about man trying to get to God. Christianity is God coming to man. Christianity is when we were in our total depravity, when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, we were made alive in Christ. Praise God. I mean, how awesome is that? It is not by works that you're saved, lest no man should boast. It is by grace. It is by grace. So God comes to us and invites us into a relationship. We identify with Christ in baptism. Right? We identify with Christ. Your death, your burial, your resurrection. You're walking in a new life. But the call then is to live with Christ every day in a relationship, in a relationship with Him. Do, do any of you have like a best friend, or maybe it's your spouse, but you just kind of finish each other's sentences? You know what I'm talking about? You know, like you start talking and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just kind of pick up and you're like, you know exactly what they're thinking, right? And I mean, you just, you've spent so much time together. Or have you ever, you ever known older people and, and they've been married for a long time and they start to look like each other? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, like they've been married like 50 years or 60 years. You're like, dude, that's weird. But you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at your wedding picture. It wasn't even Now you're like, you look like, I mean, why? Because they've spent so much time together, right? I mean, you know it, you've seen it. I mean, they spend all this time together. And, and that's what God's inviting us into. He's like, spend time. And as you and I endeavor to live like Jesus, we got to spend time with Jesus, right? We spend time with Him. 
And so often what happens is people, they, they accept Christ when they're eight years old. They, you know, God draws them to themselves and they say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus at eight. And then they kind of, you know, do their own thing. And they're like, well, I'll see you, Jesus, when I get to heaven. And Jesus is going, what? You know, no, I want to spend time with you. I want you to grow. I don't want you to get to heaven and go, hey, you remember me? I met you when you were, when I was eight, you know, and it's just like, yeah, it was, you know, 70 years ago, you know, but yeah, I want you to walk in going, Jesus, this is awesome. We spend every day together and now, man, this intimacy that I have with you, that is sanctification. That's discipleship. That's our growing in our relationship with Christ. And that's what he longs for. So he says to us, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Now, we love that ask part, don't we? We're always like, yes, ask, you know? And so here's my grocery list, right? You got, you know, you're this cosmic Santa Claus. Here's all the things that I need. Here you go, right? And God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. You see, don't just come and say, hey, God, I want a Ferrari. You know, <laughs> I, got, I really need a Ferrari. I got to, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. It doesn't work that way. He says, ask, but seek. Know me, know my heart. What's he inviting us into? He's inviting us into that relationship. And that comes through prayer. Now, here's a, here's a great acronym for prayer that, that I use personally in my own life, but it's ACTS, A-C-T-S. So the first, when I pray, my first time with the Lord, I start to pray when I, I wake up every morning, I spend time with the Lord, that's how I start my day. But my first A is that adoration. A, adoration. And I just spend time praising God. God, you are sovereign. God, you are bigger than I could ever dream or imagine. God, you are so amazing. And sometimes I walk through the alphabet and I, and I just pick different attributes for God to match. And I'll say, you know, A, God, you are awesome. That word can't be used for anybody else. God, awe, you inspire awe. God, you're B, you're beautiful. Here, sunsets, wow, God, you know, sunrise, that's awesome. God, you are so Beautiful, God, that you created color. God, that you created taste buds. I mean, seriously, you didn't need that, but you did that. God, thank you. Thank you. See that you're caring. God, you're caring. I love that there's a God that cares about you. You didn't just set the world to spin and back away, that you care what's going on in my life. D, God, you are delightful. You, you are delightful. I mean, it's so fun. D, you're dedicated. I just think about different words that go along with God. So you spend time in adoration. Then C is confession. I confess, right? And the Bible talks about that. Now, that's not a newsflash to God. God, I don't know if he did, I did this the other day. I said this. I know I shouldn't have. And God's going, really? You caught me off guard there. No, I mean, God, God knows, right? God knows what we say. God knows what we do. Confession is for us. God, I need your grace. I am not perfect. And without you, God, man, I am, woo, I'm going to make some bad decisions, bad choices. God, I, I confess that your grace is sufficient for me. So just some time in confession. Then T is thanksgiving. God, thank you. God, you know, I've asked in the past and you have always come through. And God, I remember being in school and just I didn't study for that test and I prayed and prayed and prayed. And somehow, God, you brought me through it. I don't even remember what I made because it was so long ago. But God, somehow I'm still here today. God, I prayed about that, you know, financial problem. I prayed about that relationship. I prayed about this. I asked about this. I asked. It. And somehow, God, you brought it through. Now, it wasn't always the answer I wanted. But God, I'm here today because of your grace and your mercy in my life. Thank you, God. And how often we ever say thank you, you know? Many times we just have our shopping list out. Here's, I'm gonna ask. And, and just thanking God puts things in perspective. Then you come to the S, which is supplication. Then you come to the S, which is the ask. 
And what happens then, when you begin to pray that way, your relationship with God grows. And when you get to the ask part, then you want to ask in line with his will. Right? You don't come to the ask going, okay, now I really need a Ferrari. No, you come to the ask going, God, that you would be glorified in my life because you've been so faithful. God, you've answered every prayer I've prayed. God, you've done immeasurably more in my life. And so God, now I want to ask and seek and find you. Not just your blessings, God, but you. You are enough for me. That changes everything. And that's what I think Jesus is getting to. It's a relationship. It's living with me. Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you may remember this, and, and he's praying. And he says, he says, God, let this cut past for me. God, if there's a different way. You know, Jesus had walked by. He saw people being crucified. He saw the pain and the agony. And, and he's probably going, there's got to be another way, God. But then he comes to this point, not your will, not my will, right? but your will be done. And this point of submission in our lives to say, you know what, not my will, but God, your will be done. I want to live with you. I want you to be glorified in me. That's spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. That's walking with Christ. That's growing in our relationship with him. So living with Christ, number one. Number two is this living with confidence. Living with confidence. Look at verse nine. I love this. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Exclamation point. I, I love this. Jesus is like, you guys, you know this. You who are parents out there, if your son comes and says, hey, can I have a piece of bread? You're not going to go, hey, here's a stone. Huh? You know, if they come and say, hey, can I have a fish? You're not going to go, hey, here's a snake. He goes, come on. Your parents, you're not going to do that, and you're evil, right? Before we met Christ, it was all about us. It was all about what's best for me. And he goes, think about this. How much more your Father in heaven? Now, before this, this is Jesus' in early teaching in Matthew. Before this, if you go back to the Old Testament, nobody used the word Father for God. They just didn't use it. I mean, they were Elohim. I mean, it was all Lord Almighty. I mean, there's a separation. He is God. I'm not. There's this reverence, this respect. You, you, you couldn't even mess up the name when you wrote. You know, you didn't even write the vowels when you wrote Yahweh because you might mess it up somehow. And yet Jesus comes along and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me tell you about God. He is your Father. I don't know if you underline your Bible, but if you do, man, you need to underline that whole thing right there your father and if you can grasp anything today man if you just get a hold of this somehow some way that you have a God who invites you to call him father see what's the job of a father to protect to provide to take care of his children listen you are a son or a daughter of the king of kings and lord of lords and there's a God who says you can call me Father, Abba, Daddy. Wow. Now think about this. He says, how much more? I don't know what your parents were like growing up. I was blessed to have great parents. I'm so, so thankful for my parents. Maybe you had great mom and dad. Maybe you didn't. 
And I apologize, but don't project that onto God because he is a perfect father. But think about how much your parents love you and how much they want to take of you. And then the Bible comes along and says, how much more? (laughs) How much more does your father in heaven love you and believe in you? And you know what that should do in our lives? That should well up within us confidence that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, then I want to live my life for his name and for his glory. I want my life to count. I want to live with confidence. I want to be the man that God called me to be. I want to be the husband and the father that God called me to be. I want to be the wife and the mother that God called me to be. I want to be who God called me to be because he is my father and he promises to take care of me. And my faith and my confidence is in him. Wow. You see, so often I think Christians, we live sheepishly. We don't live with boldness. We don't live with confidence. We kind of are in the retreat instead of going forward in Christ. The Bible was given not just as an instruction manual for life. And a lot of times we look at that and it it is. I mean, this is God's word and God's going, hey, this is how you live life, right? I, I created you. I know how you work. I created the world. I know how it works. But you know what? The Bible was given for more than an instruction manual. The Bible was given to reveal who God really is. And God's not just up there just waiting for you to mess up so that he can strike you and your car's gonna break down or something's gonna go wrong, you have some bill you gotta pay. God's up there saying, I love you. And the heartbeat of the gospel is a God who's drawn you to himself and a God who's constantly wooing you, who's saying, you are important to me, you are valuable to me. And that ought to well up within us confidence. Yeah, my God's for me, my God's got my back. Yeah, I can lay my head down at night. I don't have to worry. I can have peace in my life because God is for me. I love Romans 8. Man, the whole chapter is awesome. But this part just says, verse 37, know in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. You are secure in Christ. You are secure in him. Live with confidence. The third thing you see here as we go forward in Christ is this, live with compassion. He says in verse 12, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now we recognize this, right? This is the golden rule, right? This is the golden rule. There are other religions that would have some form of this, but in other religions, it's in the negative. But Jesus, when he first said it, is it the positive? Do to others as you would have them do to you. What's the call? The call is compassion. You see, when you love God, right, when you love him and you put him first in your life, you put him at the center of the wheel of your life, the center of your heart, he impacts everything. He impacts your relationships, he impacts your job, he impacts everything in your life. But when you love God, you're going to love others. It's gonna happen. And the call is for you and I to live with compassion, it's not just that, hey, we go off and we, we just have this time with the Lord and then we come back and we build our own kingdom and do things for ourselves. It's when we spend time with the Lord, we turn around and we become the hands and feet of Christ. We see needs and start to meet them. In your life and in my life, the more you grow in your relationship with Christ, the more generous you become. And this call to be generous in your life. 
Here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the fact of the matter is this. All of us, all of us, when we die, we're going to face judgment. Now, we don't like to talk about dying. I mean, that's, you know, it's not kind of on our radar. We don't kind of like to talk about it at all. But the fact of the matter is this. We're all going to die at some point. And the mortality rate today, it's 100%, okay? You know, and we could say, hey, I, I don't think about it. I don't want to. But, but it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to happen, you know, and I'll, a lot of years later on. But when we die, and the Bible's really clear. The Bible says this. It's appointed unto all men to die, and after that to face judgment. So we will all stand before God one day. And, and I want you to know what's going to happen. God wants you to know what's going to happen. So here's the deal. Every one of us, we're going to stand before God, and God's going to ask us this question. Here it is. So if you don't get anything else, I get this, all right? Here it is. He's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? What, what did you do? Did you receive Christ as God was drawing you to himself? Did you say, yes, he's the Lord of my life? Or did you say, nah, you know, that's not for me. You know, that's my parents' faith. That's my church's faith. He's going to say, what about you? What about you? You're, well, what about, you know, tribes in Africa that haven't heard? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll handle that. Okay, but what about you? Because you have heard. So what do you believe about Jesus? So every one of us is going to have to give an account. Do I believe in Jesus? Do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life? Right? Then the Bible says that he will separate the sheep from the goats. People who believe in Christ, there will be a second judgment. He will turn to the sheep, those who believe in Christ, right? And he's going to say to us, what did you do with what you were given? So two questions, right? What did you do without my son, Jesus Christ? What did you do with what you were given? Did you just use it on yourself? Was it all about you? Did you just try to build your own kingdom? Or did you invest in others? Did you understand that you were blessed in order to be a blessing? You can go to Matthew chapter 25 and you can read this more later, but, but the, the people that are righteous, they're gonna look at God and go, well, what do you mean? And he's gonna say, well, don't you remember? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer, when? When did we do that? And Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. It's compassion. It's compassion. Now the Bible goes on to tell us that we will give, have rewards in heaven. And we'll have crowns in heaven because of what we've done on earth. What you do here impacts your eternity. What you do here impacts your forever. Now I don't believe we're going to be walking around with crowns on our head going, wow, check Steve out, man. He's got like massive crowns. I only got this little crown. I don't know what happened. You know, I think what's going to happen is we're going to have these crowns. We're going to turn around and we're just going to place them at the feet of Jesus. All glory to you, Jesus. And then we're going to have this eternity, this celebration with him. But the fact of the matter is this. What we do here and now impacts our forever. And so you and I have to think about that. How are we living? Is it all about us or are we living with compassion? Are we seeing needs around us? Are we stepping into it? We can't do everything, right? We can't do everything. But we can all do something. <laughs> so what something are we doing? So living with compassion. And then number four is this. Living with celebration. Living with celebration. Look at verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. See, Jesus Christ is the narrow gate. Jesus Christ is the narrow gate. And when you and I enter into Christ, there is a celebration that happens. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, there's a party in heaven. I mean, it just erupts. I mean, it's a celebration. As we come to Christ, as our lives are redeemed, as people's lives are restored, there is a celebration. Don't you love that our God is a God of celebration? 
I do. I love that our God is a God of joy. I love that our God loves to have fun. I love that our God created life and wants us to enjoy it. I mean, I love that about God. You know, when he took the children of Israel out of slavery and they were in Egypt and I mean, they were slaves, right? I mean, they had no help, no hope. And God redeemed, they asked, they called out and God sent a deliverer Moses and he takes him out of this land of slavery and he's taking them to this promised land. This land with houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, it's unbelievable. And he meets them in the desert and he tells them how to live when they get in the promised land. And he tells them, hey, when you come into the promised land, three times a year, I want you to have a feast. I want you to have a celebration, I want you to have a party. The first one's gonna be called Passover. And there's gonna be a big feast at Passover. Wherever you're living, I want you to come to Jerusalem. I want you to come to a place of worship and I want you to celebrate with your family, with your friends. I want you to worship. I want you to have a lot of food. I want you to laugh. I want you to have a great time. Because remember when I delivered you. Remember when the death angel passed over your homes and the firstborn of every Egyptian was killed and I delivered you out of that land. Remember, remember Passover and celebrate. And then he says, hey, there's another celebration. I want you to celebrate at Pentecost. And that's another big feast that you come into. And that's when you plant the crops because you know that I'm the one who's gonna bring the rain. I'm the one who's gonna water the crops. I'm the one who's gonna make them grow. I'm the one who's gonna protect from pests. I want you to put me first. And then he said there'll be a third feast or celebration. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's when you get the harvest. When you have all the harvest and all, I want you to bring the first fruits and bring those to me and make sure that I am worshiped and have a big feast and have a big celebration. I love that about our God. When Jesus was talking about God in the New Testament, he told the story of the prodigal son and he said about this son who, who looked at the dad and said, dad, I hate you. I don't wanna live in your home anymore. I want my inheritance now. I wish you were dead. And the dad let him go and he walked away. But the dad never gave up on him, did he? Never gave up on him. Some of us in our life, we can identify, man. We, we sinned and we turned our back on God, but God never gives up on us. And as God drew that young man back to the father, that young man came to his senses and he comes back to the dad. And what did he find? A dad who was sitting there going, listen, this is what you did wrong. and This is what you're gonna pay. No, what he found was a dad who said, throw the robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. My son was lost and he's found and kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. My son is home. That's our God. If you go over to the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 19, and God gave the apostle John an opportunity to just kind of peek into heaven. And here's what John saw. He says, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder shouting. Now that's all the tongues and tribes, everybody who is a follower of Christ. And here's what everybody's shouting, hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Glory literally means weight. Oh, everything to him. For the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. See, all of our forevers are gonna culminate in a giant wedding. Isn't that awesome? A giant wedding. Here's the giant wedding. The bride is the church. The bridegroom is Christ. And when Christ comes back, he's coming back for his church. That's why it's so important to be a part of a church. The bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. That's you. That's us. 
And you may go, no, I'm just a sinner. No, 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 no. Through Christ, you're a saint. The righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, exclamation point. And he added, these are the true words of God. All of eternity is going to culminate in just this big feast, this big celebration. And God says, I want you to know that. I want you to know that how you live here impacts eternity. But your eternity is secure in Christ. Your eternity is secure in Christ. And you may say, well, you know what? I've blown it. I've messed up. You know, I think I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to run this videotape and it's going to be all my mistakes. No, 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 no. Listen, you have been redeemed and restored through Christ. And when you and I repent, we don't get to heaven and have some videotape of all of it. We get to heaven and we just look into the face of Jesus and we celebrate. We celebrate God's goodness and God's grace. And that should change the way we live here. I, I want you to hear this morning just a, a short video. Uh, a couple of months ago, a guy named Frank Gifford died. And uh, some of you know Frank Gifford. He played in the NFL a lot of years. He's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Monday Night Football announcer for all of us sports guys. You know, we love that. He had a great career. His wife, Kathy Lee Gifford, is on the Today Show, right? And here's what she said on national TV about her husband and what's important to him and what was important in their life. And I just want you to think about all of us are going to die at some point, but what are people going to say about us? What are people going to say was important to us? What are people going to say that we valued? But listen to a wife talk about her husband on national TV. Wow. That's powerful. And she said, you know what? It's forgiveness. It's grace. That's the Christian life. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, that the peace comes in Christ and Christ alone. I love how she talked about, we know this, but from his mother's Bible. His mother's Bible was just passed down. The generations. What legacy are you leaving? What are you building? What's important to you? And we see that. We would go to church. What became most important to him was that stone. This is a, a stone from that same brook. I was in Israel two years ago and biblical study tour with our church and we go every couple years we'll go again next year in October and found this rock right there um, I think this is the actual rock David used to hit Goliath there's a little blood right there but so but you know what every time I see this and it sits on my desk and I think that same thing it's keeping Christ first in our lives that comes with the confidence it's always in there how are you going to throw your stone what difference are you going to make are you going to fall into the world and just kind of keep going along and drift along? Or are you going to say, no, I want Christ to be the Lord of my life and I'm going to live forever with him. I want to make a difference for his name and for his glory. The fact of the matter is this, today forever is hanging in the balance. Your forever hangs in the balance. Is Christ the Lord of your life? As God draws you to himself, is there a time you said, yes? Have you put a marker in the ground? I will follow you, Lord. I have decided. Maybe for you, man, Christ is the Lord of your life, but man, you've been living for other things, things of the world, and today God's just saying, no, 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 live for me. Live for me. What's important? What difference is Christ gonna make in your life? This morning we have the opportunity to celebrate. It's amazing to me how Jesus says, for us to remember him and he gives us a meal. 
You know, I think it's a little foreshadowing of the feast that is to come. He says, you know, when you take this bread, you take this cup, just think about your eternity. Think about it. If there's gonna be hard times you're gonna face in this life, you're gonna go through challenges and difficulties, but just think about what is to come and live with me first. And so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he pulled his disciples together and he says, guys, listen, I'm gonna go to the cross tomorrow. And this bread represents my body that's gonna be broken for you, personal, personal. Not your parents' faith, not your church's faith for you, individual. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant. (laughs) You're under the old covenant. When you sinned, when you messed up, holy God, now sinful man, you were separated. But now there's a new covenant of my blood poured out for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread, you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning, I want to invite you to come to his table. This isn't my invitation, the invitation of Rolling Hills. This is the invitation of God himself to come. I'm going to invite some of our A6 men. These are some of the spiritual leaders in our church, and they're going to go to the tables to be there for you. They're just going to hold the elements. They're going to pray over you as you come to receive. There's a gluten-free table over here. There's two tables in the back. There's two tables on the side. There's another table up here. But I want to invite you to come to his table. And when you come this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come making a commitment. What has God taught you in these 40 days? Would you commit? Maybe for you, it's a next step. Maybe for you, it's baptism. Uh, Maybe for you, it's missions. Maybe for you, I don't know what it is. Maybe for you, it's to be the husband that God's called you to be. Maybe for you, it's to spend time with God each day. I'm just gonna commit. God, I'm gonna put you first. And then I want you to come. Secondly, one is a commitment. Two is just to be grateful. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are my father. Thank you. Would you just come with a grateful heart? Come with a commitment and come with a grateful heart. Father God, here we are today, your people, your disciples. And God, thank you for inviting us to your table to take a piece of the bread, your body broken for us, to dip into the cup, your blood poured out for us and to receive the gift that only you can give, the gift of life, eternal life, our forever secure in Christ. And so we come today, God, just with a commitment to live our lives for you and with gratitude in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Transform us for your glory, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we come. Amen.